0: Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Big Sky Boneheads Podcast. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this thing wherever you find your favorite podcasts because we've put it literally everywhere. You'll trip over it. It's uh, like your kid's Legos on the bedroom floor. You're going to step on it eventually. My name's Michael Gray. His name is Scott Hershey. And we've got a whole bunch of montana in the news what is montana talking about um well, that's what our podcast uh, is or, or what are people talking about montana because we have uh we have made the news uh, it was a week and a half ago a woman shot the husky and thought uh, it was a wolf and then put it and then made montana national news that way not mm, good not great bob <laughs> not great uh, and then uh, Miss Montana stepped up this week and put Montana in the news nationally by accusing <laughs> Miss Texas of rigging the Miss Universe pageant or the uh, Miss USA pageant. Um,
1: I like this. I like this. Uh, she, I like pageant fights. I like, uh, you know, beauty, beauty queens. It's such a weird... Calling each other ugly and stuff. Such a weird world. It's you know It just
0: proves that we can get hyper-competitive about anything. Um, the, the long and short of it is that Miss Texas won... Uh, and that the board that oversees the thing is based in Houston, and Miss Texas is based in Houston. And then she won, and Miss Montana claimed that uh, one of the things that she won was this, like, resort trip. And that she was there on social media inside
1: of 24 hours and that she never could have gotten there that quickly. Yeah, she said they filmed it ahead of time with the winner who was supposed to be, you know, that's supposed to be chosen at the pageant, but they they filmed it ahead of time. So she's accusing him of that. Uh, And uh, Heather Lee O'Keefe is Miss Montana and Miss Texas is Arbonne Gabriel. And so now we got uh, got a good beef going on here. And Miss Alaska, by the way, jumped in uh, on Team Montana. Nice. Uh, she was in
0: on it being rigged. Now she mentioned a number of things. Miss Texas did go on to say that she had been a brand ambassador for that resort company, and mm-hmm. they already had the footage of her doing other things. Sure. Um, I, I don't know what I don't know, I don't know what to make of any of this. Um, I'm, I think pageants are for me. This is just me, uh, reflective of my age. Pageants are like uh, award shows. I am always surprised that we're still doing yeah, that.
1: So am I. Pageants seem um, like they should have gone away with calling girl. You know, they should have gone away at the same time that it was uh, no longer okay to call people dames. That was probably a good time to get rid of the pageants right. as well. <laughs> right. But they're still a thing, and these women who compete in them are really into them. There's like pageant yeah, oh yeah. people. They are that's their world. Well, there's millions of dollars floating around in it, uh, and mm-hmm. whenever there's
0: big money, there's going to be um, there's there's going to be big stuff. Yeah, uh, like this and. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. I know that um, after the uh, after the accusations were levied by Miss Montana, uh, that she started getting death threats.
1: <laughs> from um,
0: Miss Texas's people. From, from the Texas right. contingent, which seems to be, and I don't want to generalize, but allow me, to be uh, kind of how Texas solves everything. <laughs> if you accuse Texas of anything, they take that dote. Mess with Texas thing personally, and then uh, and then they
1: uh, threatened to kill you. Well, Miss uh, Montana, I uh, said that this was rigged, and she said that they, you know Miss Texas was chosen beforehand, and then Miss Texas called Miss Montana horseface. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe not in those words. No. She said something about her face being Since too long to win.
0: You're ugly, right. uh, is what you know this. <laughs> We've taken it right back to sixth grade. Oh, yeah?
1: Well, you smelled funny, and nobody likes you. Telling somebody Um, that their face is too long is a pretty good insult. You're not getting that one back. You are going to go through a period of time. It's kind of like that episode of Seinfeld when they told, uh, uh, what's her name, Uh, Elaine, that she had a big head, and then all of a sudden she was really self-conscious about her giant head, and then a bird crashed into it. It's like if you tell somebody they have a long face or some distinguishing feature That is unique. They're going to walk around knowing that and thinking that for a long time. They're going to look in the mirror and go, my face. And they're going to measure it. Right. And they're going to see what other people's faces measure. Like, do I have a long face? Can I measure your face from head to to forehead to chin? And it's going to become part of her inner persona. She's going to start thinking of herself as having a long face. Well, it
0: seems like in the pageant world, that might be something you're actually aware of. Maybe. It's like your 40 time. If you're entering the NFL draft, you know your hand size. Right. You know a bunch of stuff about yourself that most normal human beings wouldn't know. I am assuming that uh, beauty—I just combined those two words—beauty pageant queens or content uh, contestants probably know dimensions of their their bodies that normal people would never consider. They probably know the length of their face yeah. because the ideal face has got to be this long. Right? They, they always do that. They have that kind of isometric, oh, yeah, they, they do. do that little map, yep. and like, oh, ideally your eyes are this far apart, so ratio, and your ears yeah. are this wide, and your chin is this long, and all this. I assume they know that. So calling her a long
1: face might be a, a horrible insult. And in the that, next thing you know, world. she's uh, she's trying to hire a makeup uh, person, and she's asking, uh, do you specialize in shortening people's faces? And so that's part of her thing, like because uh, some people have to accentuate their eyes, some people have to do this. She has to shorten her face now that miss texas has pointed that out that she has a long face which is terrible (laughs) her face looks fine no she's they're
0: they're in the miss usa pageant yeah they're all beautiful true they're all stunning like every one of them by the time you get there you've made it past the the people that look like (laughs) folks at work in radio
1: (laughs) all right and then you gotta go to miss universe where oh boy now it's the best of the entire globe right so you're getting a lot of uh, a lot of all of that.
0: No idea how this is going to be resolved, but it plunked us right in the middle of a bunch of headlines uh, in a in a weird, weird way, much like the Wolf Hunter did a couple of weeks ago. Uh,
1: thanks for nothing. Uh, on both counts, really, because none of, none of this looks great. I love things like this, though. I mean, the um, beauty pageant and the fact that Miss Montana was in it made it so much better. If this was just Miss Iowa versus uh, Miss North Dakota, I'm like, all right, that's that. But Miss Montana being right in the middle of this makes it fun. Well, and when you're picking
0: with Texas, picking on Texas, yeah, uh, because you know they're not going to just take it. They're not going to have nothing. They're not going to step to the podium and go, look, I think these allegations are silly. I have nothing more to say on the matter. Texas is never going to take the high road. Right. Texas is going to get down in the mud,
1: call you a horse face, and then send you death threats on Instagram. Well, if we were actual states doing actual things, we would just uh, shake hands in agreement that we all hate California, but the girls aren't going to do that. They're going to still carry their beef on. No, between no, this. they're going to get after it. Yeah. No, 100%. <laughs>
0: All right, so that was going on this week. Uh, and then uh, we had another story, again, uh, hunting-related, and we're, we're two for two so far on the big hunting stories to come out of the state of Montana. Uh, they're not great because a guy had his prized elk stolen. He had a, his skull. This guy comes down from Alaska. He's a trophy hunter. He's got a lot of prized animals. He said this one would have been the, uh, the, the crown. Of all of them. Right. And then he trusted it with his brother who left it in the back of a pickup truck at a cheap motel and had it stolen along with a bunch of gear. In Billings. Uh, His name is Adam Grenda. This is a 340 bull. That's for if you don't know the way you score, but that's just we'll just shorten it. That's a big one. That's a big one. That's a you might never get one that big in your lifetime. You could hunt here your entire life
1: and not get a three forty. That's a good bull. And it wasn't just the bull, and it was the the rack. So they didn't steal the entire thing. He had it caped. It was uh, I. I'm I'm assuming it was headed to a taxidermist in Idaho with his brother in law. Uh, It's not even his brother; it's his brother in law. That makes it worse. And out of his brother in law's truck between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. on a Saturday in Billings, they stole the elk rack and they stole uh, a uh, QU duffel bag full of stuff. They stole a couple of his hunting bows. So it's over $5,000 worth of stolen gear that were taken out of the back of the come on in hotel and suites. Yeah. And right there. Not right? big security going no, on. I'm, come on in. I'm, you got to put that in the headline
0: and then you've got to explain to everybody. Uh, yeah, I. I just left my stuff in the parking
1: lot at a place called the Come On In. Um, yeah, of, of course it got stolen. His brother in law uh, says, "You know, he regrets not bringing the uh, elk rack." Yeah, but uh, it's nine and the feet cape. wide. It's it's also ninety pounds. You'd have to haul it up there. You're gonna look. You're gonna look a little silly hauling it, an elk rack. And it's gonna smell and cape up <laughs> right. to your room. It's gonna smell even at the Come On In in Billings. <laughs> Blood stains on the carpet. <laughs> well, those no were thing. already there before he got um, there. Well, it
0: is Billings. Um, I, I just it's weird because, I, first of all, why is somebody from Alaska coming down here to hunt? Did you have enough giant things to kill in your own state? It was it, We just wrapped up Fat Bear Week in
1: Alaska. They got a bear up there it's 1,400 pounds. Said so he hunts down here often, probably to hunt with his brother-in-law. Right. And whoever maybe else not, he's going with. Maybe not anymore.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last time I went, that idiot lost my elk at a stupid cheap motel.
1: <laughs> you know what it's like with your hunting buddies. They will never forget anything that you've done. This is something that my oh, yeah. my brother, the guys I hunt with, when I was a teenager, when I was a beginner hunter and uh, when especially when we first started to go on our own, there was something that was kind of identifying for me. I would lose stuff. I would lose stuff every year. I went through a knife a year, I would lose my hunting knife every single year and I used to use uh, lose a lot of gloves. And I've got no my brothers and, and my brother and my hunting buddies will never ever stop ribbing me about losing knives. They do it every single year. So this guy with his brother-in-law having the elk rack stolen out of his truck is going to be something that he will bring up until they both die. It will be, oh, yeah. No, I don't want to leave that in your truck because you know what? It might not be there when I get back. 100%. Every single time.
0: The other part of this is that somewhere there's a local running around Billings with a 340 class bull elk trophy that isn't his. How are you explaining that
1: away? You gonna take it to a taxidermist without a tag? Or it could have been a traveler who's also staying to come on in for a few hours and just. I just. It's assume. probably. I think it's coming. I think it's next to the interstate. I assume it's a local. It's one of those interstate. Right. Right off the. Right but off the off ramp. You really
0: think who's got room when they're traveling across the state to randomly throw <laughs> a nine-foot elk <laughs> rack in their rig if they're on their way to California? Nobody's doing that. You got to be local. You got to have a place to stash it. You got to make it disappear. Maybe they're going to see like Aunt Edna and Clark
1: Griswold heading across with it strapped to the rooftop of your family cruiser. Where's the come on in in buildings? What's the address? Is it in a sketchy part of town because um, I'm just trying to picture, you know, uh, somebody a little bit methy dragging that thing down the street. Oh boy! <laughs> and so now you've got a You've either got somebody who's going to try to get the thing
0: uh, put on their own wall, and and then what? Oh, tell me the story of how you got this elk. Well, uh, it, was, it was just after last call. <laughs> oh, I stumbled geez. out of the bar next to the, you know, that, the place to come on in? You know that place? Yeah, anyway, uh, this guy had left it in his truck, so I stole
1: it. Ah, it's not in that bad a part of town. <laughs> so, in any case, I, I think that, that part of town
0: just lost a star or two on the Yelp rating. <laughs> considering <laughs> now they, you know, that elk
1: stealing territory. right lost my three forty bull in the parking lot between 3 and 5 a.m right very specific time as well well and Uh, uh, how would you feel you you i know i well i don't know how i'd feel i've never shot a a bull elk so I'm, i'm assuming i would be really mad i've seen people have uh elk rack stolen before it's not the first time but man talk about something personal this is not stealing you know uh you left your binoculars laying on the seat and somebody took him. this is something so personal because that elk rack is one of a kind it's the elk you shot it's unlike any yeah. other elk on the planet right you got to take that hard
0: and it's yeah and it's tied to an experience it's, absolutely you know I, I have one i have one from my first elk season and everybody that walks into that to the to the living room of my house they're like whoa when did this happen i'm like yeah. man i can tell you the story like it happened yesterday." Because it was it's still to this point the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in terms of my hunting
1: life. I've been d- hunting since I was a kid and nothing compar- nothing's even close. And it only takes you as a hunter about 10 minutes to identify that rack with your eyeballs and your hands and to know it forever. Like you will recognize oh, that yeah. rack if it was lined up with 40 other racks and, and whether they're on the animal or off, you would still know exactly which one that was. And this guy now doesn't even get to have it. Right. I've heard nothing about it being recovered. I've heard nothing about it being any sort of people being, being uh, found to have stolen this thing. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's a, it's a drag for him and obviously uh, the second
0: straight hunting story uh, that's gotten legs out of the state so far. In this very young hunting season, it's still, as we record this, a regular firearm season hasn't even begun yet. When everybody goes out, right. all the orange guys and the whole mountainside looks like a pumpkin patch. We haven't even gotten the droves of rifle hunters out there, nope. and already we're uh, we're in the news for a couple of bummer stories of people
1: shooting orphaned dogs and stolen elk that is not what hunting season is supposed to be about now usually about this time of year we've got a couple of stories about bow hunters being swatted around by grizzly bears and uh, you know right knock on, knock on wood we haven't really had that yet i don't, no. I don't believe i haven't read anything high profile from this uh, however that could also be a case of it just happens anyway and we're kind of it's not news anymore it's like somebody getting stabbed in chicago no it's not news anymore right if you're hunting in the paradise valley you're hunting down in tom minor basin Getting swatted around by the grizzly bear. Ah, not a big deal. <laughs> it just seems like there's, they're very common now, especially in those areas. I've heard cases where people get swatted around or, you know, not, not a big, you know, life-threatening mauling. They'll just—and then there's there's not even a report of it. But that's usually what's happening this uh, time of year. And instead, we have stolen elk racks and skinned dogs. Yeah, it's— uh, we got, don't like those. We got
0: to get out of the news for that stuff. 100%. Yeah. Um, as soon as possible and uh and in that we have we have this you know what will get you out of the news for crazy wacky redneck hunting stories a bunch of rich people who don't
1: hunt moving in <laughs> and that is happening which um, or worse rich people who don't hunt or rich people who do hunt wow <laughs> we could do an hour on that exactly um i would vote
0: for rich people that do hunt <laughs> They're the worst. They both cause problems for unrich people who hunt. Still got the size sticker on their Sitka baseball <laughs> hat oh, walking yeah. out there like they're headed into a baseball game and they just bought it at the gift shop. Yeah. yeah. Um, Buy all the land. Don't let you hunt. Well, and that is what uh, thats exactly what is happening. Uh, there is a brand new report. It just came out this week. And Montana saw by far the largest percentage increase of wealthy households during the pandemic. When compared with all other states in the U.S. Yeah, it's not it's not a small number either. 63%. Yeah. That's the increase from 19 to 21 in terms of the number of Montana households earning
1: $200,000 or more per year. Yeah, before the pandemic, there were 18,918 households earning over $200,000 a year in the state. Now... 30,784 it's a huge increase and believe me this isn't because people got raises no (laughs) not during the pandemic not before
0: before the pandemic not since the pandemic those Um, are all people who moved here yeah those are people who moved here and brought their cash with them now it is important and we have to do this in montana if you're listening from out of state if you're from california you're probably already packing your bags to move here um when they do the percentage increase, it's important to note that in a state that's a, a tick over 144,000 square miles, we've got a tick over a million people in the state. Four and a half million people live in Seattle, so it doesn't take the same number to move the percentage. Right. Nonetheless, it has. You can tell there's that's real, honest to God mathematics, and and real quantifiable data. To show you why all of the anecdotal evidence that we've talked about, we just did the podcast a couple of weeks ago, is Montana getting meaner. Mm-hmm. If you missed that, go back and and jump on the feed. Yes, Montana is getting meaner because there is now a very clear separation between old Montana and new Montana, and old Montana is getting priced out of the state by new Montana.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, and to be honest with you, um, you know, if you'd asked me. Uh, before this this figure and this uh, this this particular story and these these stats, um, if you'd asked me, what would it take to be considered uh, rich in Montana? I would have probably said over two two hundred thousand dollars probably wouldn't have made. I I would have said higher than that. So two hundred thousand dollars, you can say. Rich, you might even call it upper middle class. <laughs> it's to right. a point now with the cost of living and, you know, being a millionaire anymore is not that uncommon. But $200,000 a year for a household, a dual income, uh, is is not uncommon. It, it, it I would even have guessed before that there were more than 18,000 of those households in the state. But uh, so I was surprised by that. Well, the but fa- uh, you know you can. You might be making over two hundred thousand dollars, and not consider yourself rich. Well,
0: and the reason that the numbers were lower, and Montana led the uh, they led the country. Uh, I want to say because this was the biggest increase that's ever been recorded um, in this particular department by any state ever, and the second and third place states um, were Idaho. I want to say it was from seventeen to nineteen. Idaho saw the biggest increase. And then there was another time between like 10 and 12 or 11 and 13, something where Montana once again was, was the leader. So this has been 59%. It's been a long time coming. Um, You know, we all know what happened to Boise. If you're in the Rocky mountain West, you understand that the city of Boise, Idaho has exploded with an influx of people largely from California and Washington coming in from San Francisco, Seattle, and those urban centers as they look for more rural environments. But what happens now is you have a state that considers itself rural, that if you flew over it, you go, well, there's a lot of dirt out there, man. That's a lot of country. Right. Uh, the problem is now, especially in the, in the towns, in the urban centers, the cost of living in a place like Bozeman is on par with a coastal city. Yeah. But the employment's not. No. Um, you know, Hand in hand with this was the work from home rate. Work from home doubled from 19 to 21. Now I don't think that's unusual for Montana. I think work from home probably doubled everywhere or nearly doubled everywhere. The difference is the homes were new. Because the people that are working from home kept their job in the San Fernando Valley and they moved here. That was the that was the barrier to rich people living in Montana. There's no work here that supports that or at least not not enough to uh to represent this percentage. Mm-hmm. There's not enough high-income employment in the state of Montana to support the increase
1: of the high-income families in Montana. Of course, they're working from home, but their work is far. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's a guy who's uh, quoted in here uh, over and over again. His name is Bryce Ward. He's an economist and consultant in Montana, and uh, he's kind of the source of the story that we're talking about uh, in the Montana newspapers. And uh, he said that uh, this is an interesting quote. It's the old Montana. Versus the new Montana. And he says there was always money floating around, but over the course of the last decade and, of course, the last two years especially, it has ratcheted up. And he said money is uh, powerful within a market society. Things get shaped by those people. And people notice those changes. You see that with the Holland Lake discussion. And he's bringing up Holland Lake where there's a big dispute going on over a new company which bought the lodge and wants to create a bigger lodge. And uh, the residents who have cabins around that lake are all unhappy with that development, and yet it's just a bigger development than was already there. It's in, and when he says it's old Montana versus new Montana, one of the things I thought about was, um, kind of the people who sometimes people consider to be rich or the people with incomes that are high uh, and appear to be high but maybe aren't really high are, are ranchers and farmers and right. things like that. You know, these are these are people who might make a lot of money. At one point during the year, and then they spend a lot of money and uh, it, you know, upkeeping their what they're doing. And sometimes those that's a different kind of uh, of wealth than we're seeing now. We're seeing actual people who drive fancy cars, people who build fancy houses, people who vote the way rich people vote. And that's where the this this really rubs the old Montana people the wrong way. Is all of those things that you it's visual. You can see the difference and you can also hear the difference in the way that people refer to things about the state and that influence is more than it was
0: well and not only that it completely upsets the market for everything mm-hmm. it changed you know um in our day jobs working at the montana radio company we were talking about uh, the efforts to uh, create an infrastructure for electric cars across the state well 10 years ago that would have been a punchline, mm-hmm. and now It's a necessity because rich people bring rich people stuff. We're talking about hunting, you know, hunting for an old timer is getting out a backpack that's older than either of my kids and schlepping up a mountain from your pickup truck. Yeah. Hunting for a rich guy includes a handmade breakfast and somebody to drive the side by side and spot for you and cape out your kill. Yeah. And then bring the horns back to you while you're enjoying your handmade dinner <laughs> at the lodge. And they want it to be in their own backyard. Right. And so that's what they create for themselves. Absolutely. And so there's a the market dynamics of this are profound and it goes right back to like what we were talking about with the, you know, is Montana getting meaner? Yeah, it is. And it's
1: because it's become it's become tougher. Um yeah, it's changed, and you know, people see the change, and, and they you know, and you can definitely tell, and and you know, the one thing we we don't that that we don't have the perspective on is everywhere's changed. Um, you know, you could talk to somebody from a rural part of anywhere in the country, and I think they're probably going to say it's changed. Uh, it, it it's not the old um, this town is the same as it was thirty years ago. It, that just doesn't happen anywhere. Not not now, uh, and especially with people being able to move. To where they want to move, which includes these peaceful areas and these these rural areas. Rural areas are getting the people who can work from anywhere, and it's changing a lot of places, not just Montana, but here. It's a big vocal people. You know, we're as a, as a state, we are we are. This is the biggest discussion in the state all the time. Well, and you can see why we're we're leading the country. Yeah, in
0: the influence of these these new residents, it's a. Um, it's a different thing. 63% is a huge number. It really is, yeah. And, if, and that would be true if you were to talk about any influence on any given population. If you said that there was a 63% increase in poverty and take it in the other direction, mm-hmm. that would have enormous repercussions. Those are the kinds of things where cities fail and collapse on themselves Because they no longer can support the weight of their population when there's that big of a swing in the economic direction in the negative. For sure, yeah. So to see it go the other way, you understand why housing has exploded. Mm -hmm. Montana has failed to keep up with demand in terms of construction because there just aren't enough people doing all of the jobs that aren't $200,000 and up jobs because that guy swinging a framing hammer— for a living. He's making a pretty good go right now. Right. I mean some of those guys are making 40, 50, 60 dollars an hour in and around Bozeman. and they got plenty of hours. And all the hours <laughs> they'll employ you till the, till the cows come home. But the guy that's doing that doesn't live on 20 acres mm-hmm. with a 3500 square foot marble and and log home.
1: No, and it, it's also reflected in ways I you know I think everybody sees it in in their own way uh, through your your life. I, I'll have an, an example for you. I have a friend of mine. Um, he had to move out of the state, and uh, he's a Montana native. Uh, loves it here. Comes back. Wants to come back and uh, wants to be a, a part-time resident at the very least. And uh, he also wants to. What he's what he's been asking me, and this has been going on for some time now, including before the pandemic, is what he was looking for is a small lot to build a, a kind of a simple cabin on. Something near some public land to hunt. You used to be able to find those. And in the budget that he has, yeah. no way it is happening. No. Because I've seen those small lots, and they're not anywhere near what they used to be. Because anything rural, anything with public access, anything hunting, anything outdoorsy is at a premium right now. They said, and then one last week, one of the things that Brian Massard said during our interview with him on the podcast was... He said that you he's – he's been told, and this is something they've said for a long time, you can't buy ranch land in Montana. You can't. And and by can't means it's either not for sale, it's already owned by – or it's just too expensive. It's, there's there's right. things that you can't do. He was able to figure it out, but you can't buy uh, um, anything affordable – that's acreage, and even a small chunk, just a parcel. All he wants is, all my buddy wants is one little chunk of land to put up a simple cabin, and it's just out of, it's not going to happen. And the other
0: the other challenge here in the state is the speed with which all of this has happened. I think there's a, there's a real, I have a real knee-jerk urge to just dismiss anybody like,
1: well, back in my day, it used to be different. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah,
0: and that's what everybody says everywhere, no matter where they're from or where they're living. Everything used to be different back in the day, but... This I I've always been in the housing market here in Montana. I bought a house in 2017, and it is a different universe (laughs) right now. Like I had I had somebody come to my house recently and give me an idea. Like okay, if we wanted to market this, what do we need to do? And about where's it where is it you're going to list it? And when the realtor told me what we have, my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, wait, what are Mm. you talking about? Because my house had been sitting on the market for a year. They were so happy to just have somebody look at it. Right. And I looked at several <laughs> homes that at the time, and this is just five, six years ago, that had been on the market for a year. Couldn't get anybody in there. They were just sitting dormant.
1: That's crazy to even think about now.
0: And now, you I mean, we had somebody in, I don't want to give away who, but somebody in our offices, they put their house on the market and I asked them, seriously, they had 10 offers in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's how long it took for the... For the you know, the bidding war to begin. And I know the real estate market is cooling nationwide. And that's obviously, there are a lot of of factors at work there. I will tell you that the California exodus is still superheating everything in the Rocky Mountain West. It's not just Montana, but Montana is number one in this arena. Yeah. Now, part of that's because rich people had already saturated Idaho. So it's harder to move the percentage needle uh, in terms of the bodies. But California is not running out of people that want to leave anytime soon. And so that's going to keep this thing cooking for quite a little while. And it's going to keep that anxiety and that that antagonism
1: up between the old school folks and all the people coming in with the out-of-state plates well when you tie the home prices and what's going on with real estate to this story about more uh upper income people moving to montana uh, much of these houses that are being sold are absolute bargains to people where they come from where they came from if you're coming from california you're coming from urban areas in california our home prices still even though they have risen a lot Look, rock bottom to what they had. Right, where, where they came from, and and I, there is a attached to the story about this. There is a percentage change in the uh, median home prices in each of the uh, largest communities in Montana, Missoula and Kalispell. Median home prices up fifty one percent. That's the change from in the last three years. Fifty one percent. You're talking about a three hundred thousand dollar home becoming a four hundred fifty thousand dollar home. And, and then uh, in Bozeman and Helena, 43%. And Great Falls and Billings in the low 30% range uh, for the rise in the in the prices. And that is a lot. That I mean, these aren't small numbers, but it's small to a person who just sold a home in right. California for half a million dollars.
0: Well, and having spent two years in uh, Seattle, working in downtown Seattle and living in the suburbs... Um, At one point, my wife and I entertained the idea of buying a house in western Washington. And it was at a time, again, where the real estate market there was super heated as compared to the rest of the country. And the obscene numbers that you would see with homes that if just if you just walk through it you'd be like what's this home worth and you would give them a number and they'd be like okay now multiply that by 6 because that's what somebody's going to pay for this thing Ugh. and it would just drop <laughs> your jaw yeah. you know the the house we rented was this 1900 square foot home that was me to you away from both neighbors crammed into this little uh, manufactured neighborhood it's a four bedroom it's 1900 square feet on on like a 6000 square foot lot Little teeny tiny yard, little teeny tiny house. It's right now. If you listed it in Seattle, they would list it for over a million dollars. And and it's nothing. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing in it that would indicate that any of that. It's not timber framed. It's not marble. Anything like that's just where it was. So if you're coming from that environment, where a tiny little house costs a million dollars, and then you come out here and for a million dollars
1: you can get a big house and ten acres. Right. You're like, well, hell. Sign yeah. me up. Let's do it. And you're you're buying it from a homeowner who paid half that much. If that. And is thrilled as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where the happy people are. The happy people are the ones Ooh. who move here, who that house is a lot for the money. Right. And then the happy people are the people selling to them, who that house was a much cheaper two years ago. And so everybody wins in that case, except the people who have to live here. And and are you know making trying to make ends meet. This is the people right. who are losing, and what's going on in Montana are low to low middle income people who are really just trying to, and especially renters and people who were trying to buy a home at the beginning of this. That those are the people that are in rough shape here, and and that's where uh, that's where a lot of the problem lies in what's happening in the state. And of course, there's lots of people who have a home, aren't planning on selling the home, and for some reason they're mad too. <laughs> 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 I see it all the time. A house goes up for sale. They put it on a social media, on a on a on a, on a, a Facebook group site, and everybody yells, "That's too expensive." Those people are not in the market. They have right. no plans to get in the market, and they don't even. They're just mad. Well, I will say
0: this: If you own a home and you've owned a home for some time, and you've seen your values uh, spike, and you don't plan on selling, the real danger for you is you're going to get a new neighbor. Cause oh boy! What, I, it's already happened. Yeah. It's already happened to me. And my little, my, and I live kind of up on a mountain in a little a little offshoot road. That's it doesn't connect anything to anything. There's very little traffic except for the people that live there. And we've already had three homes sell in this little half mile stretch, this little goat path that I live on. And it was Arizona, California, Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, and then the fourth one sold, and it was just somebody from uh, from Whitefish. Mm -hmm. who came down close which is you know (laughs) whitefish was already full of rich people if you didn't know if you're not from montana whitefish is the resort town where all the rich people go to vacation and buy really expensive trinkets that say that you know i was in montana and all i got was this grizzly bear t-shirt exactly um so you know you you've seen that and and that change is palpable and it's easy to understand why there's all of this animosity um i i didn't like you said, I'm always I'm the jaded one. I'm like, all right, everybody's making too big of a deal of this. Everywhere has people that move in and people that move out, and this is just how life works. But when you see the numbers and we are number one, mm-hmm. and it's happening more here than it is anywhere else, uh, you have to go back and go, all right, well, apparently, uh, we really do have a number of
1: people moving in, and they're all bringing a checkbook. Yeah, they are, and uh, they already have it full. Uh, they're, they're, you know, the people that I think probably are really aware of this, and, and mostly are the realtors and the moving companies and the construction workers. Those are the ones who are probably just come home at the end of the day and go, "Man, I cannot believe what is happening in this state." And, and everybody else feels it; they absolutely see it on on an everyday basis, and in what's going on. So um, I don't think that they're surprised by these numbers at all. No, I mean they can't be; they knew first. Yep. Uh, I think you see,
0: I've got a couple of friends that work in, in different parts of uh, the building trades, residential construction, and I haven't seen them right, for a couple of years. Yeah. Because they don't have any time. They don't have time to do anything. I had a buddy who builds houses, and he used to shut it down. And then he would just do like little project kitchen renos and things like that in the off season when there was snow and in the late fall so he could hunt. And then he would build X number of homes in the spring, summer, and Mm -hmm. early fall, and be done with it. And he's like, "I can't, I can't stop now. I have to build." He was investing in all of these heaters and other things for his job sites to keep his guys from dying, Mm -hmm. uh, because he had such a backlog and he was so far behind, and he couldn't keep up with demand. And P.S. He wanted to make all the money, right? Because all of those people coming in with the fat checkbooks are are just writing checks. Like, you want to build my house? Yeah, but it's going to take an extra 100 k if you want to build it this year. Okay, here's 150 Get <laughs> it done a quick- zero on the end of it. And ex- exactly. <laughs> and that's what these people do. That's how yeah. they solve everything. And I say this with a hint of envy that you just get to come in and go, how much to make it happen? Mm-hmm. I've never been able to
1: approach life that way. The other people affected by it are those who are trying to finish a basement or expand a garage or lay concrete over their driveway gravel or something like that and then they call and go hey can you come out and do this and i just got a bathroom i gotta refinish can you plumb it and the plumber goes i am backed up till next year right and i've just got too many they're building houses as fast as they can put them up and uh i need to do that first these jobs are bigger and you're gonna get shoveled down the way because that's happening a lot too
0: i've had a tiny little project uh in my house that i've wanted uh, there's one guy i want to do it yeah, it's two years now. He's busy. I've been waiting, and yes. I can't. And his his daughter plays volleyball with my daughter. I see him all the time, <laughs> and I have to stop myself from staring a hole. Yeah, he's from like tired. Okay, <laughs> so you got time to watch your kid? Um, you want to talk to me about knocking that wall out? Yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you got? He's just
1: he's gotten to the point where he just eh, I'll get to it. We should just title this episode so you want to move to Montana?
0: Well, and that's really you know what? There is a cautionary tale in there. Um, because, you know, going back to the new Montana, old Montana, if you're old Montana and you are truly fed up and you either can't keep up with the market dynamics as they change or you're not interested in staying because of all of the crowding, where the hell do you go? No. Yeah. You don't, there's nowhere comparable. And that, you know, this is the problem. Alaska. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Do you like living in the dark? Right. Because say what you want about our winners, and there are a number of people, by the way, in the in the comment thread on this story about the census data and all of the rich people moving here that are just—have got all their fingers and toes crossed praying to tiny baby Jesus for a string of Montana winners, mm-hmm. what they call Montana winners. 40 below, pipes are frozen, um, everybody's dying in the street, you can't drive anywhere, there's 17 feet of snow— Uh, a glacier plows through Main Street. Like, that's what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, and the neighboring states, you know, they're they're all, of course, a little bit different than Montana. They're all unique in their own way. And uh, the places that you would like to move to those places, the places that look good and look like Montana might be similar... Are experiencing the same problem. They're just 100%. not doing it on such a widespread, uh, you know, areas as Montana is. The the parts of mont of Wyoming that are near the mountains and uh, near the cool stuff, they're having the same things. Idaho is always right behind us or right ahead of us, right in the same area. When you're talking about growth, and when you're talking about people moving from these other states, Idaho's right there too. So the ones that are kind of like Montana and yet aren't Montana are still having some of the same issues. Oh, they've got their own problems. Yeah, um, they don't have it on a percentage. Quite
0: as high, but they're not far behind. But their beauty queens aren't fighting with Texas, which makes us better. That's true. <laughs> they're also not shooting orphan dogs in fields and then oh, putting them on Facebook.
1: <laughs> I hope they're not. Oh, that
0: lady. I don't even want to say her name because I feel like that's that story's a couple of weeks old. Everybody's and already messaged yeah, her anyway. I so. was going to say, they stopped giving her death <laughs> threats so they could start sending them to Miss Montana. Oh, um, it's not been... It's been a weird fall so far. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: That was the weirdest. That was the one right there. I'm like, oh, please don't let this be true. Oh, yeah, it's, no, true. it's uh, It just got worse and worse and worse. 100%. We got
0: stolen elk sheds and Miss Montana's getting death threats. <laughs> dead dogs on Facebook. And now all the rich people are here. Uh, so that's kind of a sneak peek into what's been going on. Every yep. now and again, we like to just take a look and figure out what the hell is going on in this state. And then as Scott and I drilled down on it, we're like, What is this why
1: why has everybody lost their minds in every possible direction all at once it's like the montana supermarket tabloid only it's all true and it's really happening you put your radio
0: button on scan and every single station has got some new terrible awful thing happening so uh keep that in mind and Escott said yeah so you say you want to move to montana think it through we still have winter to go. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. The bears haven't denned up yet. It's The weather's nice. Yeah. It hasn't even snowed one time so far. It's the most wonderful time of the year, which means that we're overdue. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time with this week's episode. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this mess uh, wherever you found it. And uh, we'll be back next week.